known issue among the community of users that these magic mice, for some reason, don't respond to clicks. And um, what do you mean, don't respond to clicks? Well, the clicking is wrong. So I'll I'll click. Yeah. And it sometimes won't register, or I'll click and it'll keep registering. It'll keep. Well, that's because that's a shitty mouse. I didn't ask whether it was a shitty mouse I'm or not. I, I'm telling you, I have issues with this mouse. I thought it was soft. I thought it was hardware, but I have two mice, two of these, and they both do the same thing. It, I, just don't, I don't think you like that mouse, but I don't think you realize that. No, I, I quit buying that mouse. It's, I'm going it's to stop bad. buying this mouse, okay. but what I'm saying is... So I've, you thought it was software, but it's not, is what you're saying. Right, I thought it was okay. the OS, but it can't be. Yeah. Well, it could be the OS in combination with this mouse, but... It's not. A, I don't think it's a hardware thing. It can't be because I have two different mice doing it. <clears throat> Bought it two different times. Yep. Two different like. Well, it's not the two. But two different I've, lots. Yeah, <laughs> batches. The two, the version two of this, the one that's got the pa- power built in, apparently does the same thing for some people. Those are those are horrible from an ergonomic perspective. And the way you have to hold it from the side, they like kind of grab it on these on its sharp edges. Like who? Why would anyone use that? Well, I don't mouse? really. It's really, it's really a I don't bad grip mouse. it that way. I kind of. I guess I've gotten used to like kind of like you get used to it. You like build the, calluses. You know what? Yeah, no, you're not recording, but no, I'm recording. This is all, this is the show. Seriously, <laughs> this is where I get my weird hand gestures from that you keep complaining about. It's because <laughs> I've been conditioned by this <laughs> mouse. Uh, blame it on Apple. Your weird hand gestures. I've been, are I've been using this mouse and I have to grip it like <laughs> like this. <laughs> no, we, no, we are we are recording. By the way, this oh. is the show. You got to warn a guy. I'm not yeah. even saying. Do some I? Stuff. That's that's not the way the show works. We just talk and. Whatever gets recorded gets recorded. Your mama. Well, I don't want to bury the lead, John. So, I, I guess I'll let me just start by saying, you know, in a at a time when it seems like people more and more and more like, they're, they're, and it's I mean, the numbers bear this out. Like this trend of people are going out on their own; they're becoming independent contractors, running their business. You know, con, independent consultants. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have decided to flow the other way, to swim the other direction. Would you like to? <laughs> I wasn't even going to talk about that yet. Well, you're forcing me to. It's basically, I mean, it's announced. It's not like it's secret anymore. Unless you don't want to, we can. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's not a secret. I just, I'm not going to be independent anymore. I'm going to be full time employee again. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that it's. I, I can make up a lot of excuses, and I can, I can say a lot of different things, but um, I'm not going to. Well, why would you make an excuse? Well, there's, there's a lot of things I liked about being an independent, and there's a lot of things I did not like. And I could I could easily just focus on the things I didn't like and say and point to that as to why I'm not doing what I'm doing because I, I think people are cur- would be curious about why you made one decision over another and, and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, you and became independent, but before health insurance cost more than your house did. That's true. Now your health insurance costs more than your house does. That's true. That's the big problem. I mean, people are basically. Uh, I was reading just depressing stuff on Hacker News the other day about all this health insurance stuff. But I mean, basically, I mean, people are just you can either. You can either get insurance that will cost you more than your house, or yeah. you can just risk it. And I feel like that's what you and I are doing right now with this short-term major medical. They're only 90-day policy. Yeah. But, I mean, people are, if something bad happens, you're basically looking at bankruptcy. Pretty much. But, I mean... Medical bankruptcy, that's a thing. Yeah. No, it's a thing. And that's what that's what insurance was supposed to guard against. And then it became this... I, I don't know what it became. It became this industry, this this machine. Uh, it's... It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's fine that it's an industry. It's just, it's a, it, and we don't, we won't get into this because we'll never solve this. And I don't, I, I mean, as much as I do know about it, I feel still feel like it's one of those things I know so little about. 
but because you have to be a legislation expert, you have to be, it's just insane. In fact, I mean, most of our, the sad part is most of our politicians are, are also not even, I mean, we probably know more about it than they do. And they're the <laughs> ones that are, they're writing these laws. And of course, a lot of them get yeah. written at the regulatory level, right? Which is why we're, which is why we're on this 90 day policy. That was an HHS regulation that we can only get a 90 day policy now instead of a one year policy. Mm-hmm. Of course, that may get rolled back because we have a new HHS secretary who wants to take that back to a year. So that'll, might benefit me, won't, won't you? Because you'll probably be on yeah, employer insurance at that point. I think I kind of have to be. I think that short term only works if you're self-employed or not employed or whatever the category is for that. Well, or if you've, I mean, hopefully you'll have insurance that means you don't need that policy anymore. No, my understanding is it's still going to be really expensive because insurance prices and group plans do depend on the size of the people contributing. So if your group is small, you're still pretty much paying up the tuchus. Yeah. Um, unless you're like, Working at Salesforce, and I'm sure their plans are awesome. How do you spell Tukas, John? I don't know. T-O-O-K-I-S? I was just trying not to curse. T- U.S. <laughs> Tukas. T-O-O-K-U-S. That's the Urban Dictionary. Butt or rear end. Huh. Well, that's what I meant. Tukas. <laughs> oh, nice. I used the word correctly, so. Is that a title? Tukas. <laughs> it um, might be. Anyway. Well, we can, can we use that to segue into Salesforce no, being gonna, the number one place to work at again. Well, we could. We, we should. We should. Uh, we should. God, I'm so bored of that. Is that I was going to say, is that <laughs> is that well have any moisture left in it? It doesn't. Well, well, let me just finish by saying, congr- can I, I know I've told you privately, but congratulations on on the new job. It's oh, uh, thank you. It's always nice to have a regular paycheck and to know where your next meal is going to come from. Unlike <laughs> unlike my situation, uh, you know, everything is kind of a perspective thing i guess it is i mean there's there's advantages and disadvantages to yeah. both you know but yeah. it wasn't an easy decision it was it was a tough decision but um no i'm I'm happy with where i'm going to be um it, it should be fun should be interesting do you, do you want to say that do you want to save that for later i'll save it for later okay what what was it i mean do you want to just generically like were you just tired of the kind of independent consultant type of thing or um, if I had to break it down, I was, I was starting to really question whether or not I was the right, whether it was the right time for me or if it was the, if I'm the right person for it. Yeah. Um, I made a lot of bad decisions, I think last year in, in the way I approached to things. Um, the years before I had really steady work, um, actually really heavily steady work and I was able to do pretty well. Um, and then last year, because of, because I kind of burnt myself out a little bit, I tried to kind of balance things out. Um, and so I kind of I got a little bit more pickier about my projects and tried to manage things a little bit differently. And I made a few mistakes in doing that. And then to compensate for the fact that I made some mistakes, I started taking on a lot of different type of work just to try to make up for some lost revenue. And um, what I found is I can't scale that way, first of all, because it's easier when you have one one client. Let, let's say you have one client with 10 projects. At least you can go to that one client and say, okay, prioritize this. There's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Now imagine having three clients, each with their own number of projects, and trying to prioritize across clients. So that's yeah, <clears throat> you just described the second worst and worst situations. Mm-hmm. The the least worst situation, aka the best situation, <laughs> is when you have just have one project with one client. Right. That's that keeps you busy. Of course, that and and as a one man show, right? I mean, that's it's, it's theoretically that's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's. You know, with as much work as there is out there, it's still it's kind of hard to find like what you feel like is the right project for you. Yeah. Um, 
that's part of the benefit, actually, though, of being independent is you kind of get to, you do get to pick and choose to to whatever degree you've mm. got a wealth of options. At least you at least you're in a position where okay, now I get to pick. Like if some client's an asshole, I can just not work with that client. Or if there's a project that I just don't think is right for me, I don't have some boss that says no, you're going to take that project because I need right. you to. You know, I hired you, and blah, blah, you know, right. you don't you don't have that. So that's I mean, to me that's one of the best aspects of being independent. Mm. Um, in fact, one thing I had as a potential topic we can talk about a little bit later is is um, firing clients, aka leaving. Why am I saying aka so much? I don't know. You know why? I know why because <laughs> I'm always my eight year old Graham. And I'm always teaching him, trying to teach him like new linguistic things and whatever. And like mm-hmm. he was asking about aka the other day, and so I was explaining that. And well, now I'm saying aka all the time. Maybe not everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I saying though? AKA, I forgot what I was saying. Well, you're talking about firing clients. <laughs> we can cover that later, but uh, but you're you're originally talking about oh, yeah. you know my my prioritization issues with with managing multiple clients and their priorities. Oh yeah, so the best thing yeah is one good project that's like right up your alley that you can sink your teeth into because really I know we've talked about it before and it's 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 you know it's it's not an uncommon topic but the whole idea of task switching or context switching and how mm-hmm. that and it really is a huge thing. I mean, not only do I just, well, I get just in the, in the effectively way more stuff done. If I can just focus on one thing, Mm -hmm. I also don't have the overhead of like all the business aspects of being an independent consultant. I don't have to worry about, I'm not always like doing, you know, uh, business development and, Mm -hmm. and proposals and working clients and stuff. I'm just, I've got enough. I have this project that this one client has is enough to saturate my time. So I can just, I can just be the software engineer that I want to be, you know, do yeah. the thing I want to do. Um, and I can get way more done and I just, I can make, that's how I make the most money too. Yeah. It's when you have three different projects from three different clients or 10 different projects, you know, each requires, you know, three, four hours a week. And it's like, you're constantly switching. You're, you're, you're in your email constantly. Cause you're mm-hmm. like, it's all, it feels like you feel like you're spending half your time communicating instead of just doing. Yeah, and that that started to become an issue. I mean, my, my ability to really communicate effectively tarred, started to slip a bit because I, really was juggling quite a bit. And, you know, the the double-edged sword to it is, yeah, I took on more clients to kind of manage the the revenue a little bit better or try to get more work and manage it. But it didn't, equal, it didn't really net me anything better because I did spend so much time trying to communicate, spent so much time trying to organize, spent so much time trying to crawl myself out of the hole because, you know, something that was supposed to be a small 10-hour turned into a 20-hour, 30-hour, or, you know, just... The things that you hope happens when you take on a project is that the client keeps wanting more because you did so well. Well, that would happen, but I originally took it because I had a few hours here and I need I wanted to fill that time slot. So I took it. And so I had all these obligations that started to pile up and it started to get very overwhelming. And it can <clears throat> that can happen in the blink of an eye. You can go from not having enough to do to be completely overwhelmed. Because again, you're just one person with eight hours in the day. And that's the other side of this is that I wasn't, I wasn't part of a team and for a good big project, like a good three months, six months project, it you kind of need to be on a team or have someone who, who's a team willing to bring you into that team so you can do the work on the project. So it's really hard for me to kind of just go out there and try to sell myself and say, hey, I'm here to develop stuff, but not have a team. I'd have to find a team willing to bring me in on this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, just because these larger projects required more minds attached to it, you know, people filling in different roles or things like that. Also, and in, in I think, I don't think you just because of our conversations, we all talk about this stuff, but I don't think you or I ever, fi- we've never figured out still how to 
like make ourselves known to the right people. And I do a real shit job of this. I'm just, I'm lucky that I get the business that I do. Um, but you know, I, I need, I need to make myself known somehow in the right way so that when like the right type of person needs someone like me, mm-hmm. when they, then they either think of me because I've already, I've already done those right things that like I'm in the top of their mind or like when they go to search or whatever, they find me, yeah. you know, and I just, I mean, there's, you know, a small number of people that I'm, I, I think I have that first category with like, they, maybe they just think of me and they're like, you know, I mean, that's how it's just all kind of word of mouth or repeat kind of business. Yeah. But there's just, I mean, I often feel like there's not enough of it. Like, I wish I had more of that funnel of just, there's people just regularly contacting me saying, Hey, I've got this. Is this something you'd want to do? Because, because right. I mean, you do need that abundance of choices so you can pick the right thing for you because if not, then you end up with bad projects that don't end well. You know, you end up with more situations where you have, you know, you either have to quit a project or a client's not happy or you have to give money back or they're threatening to take money back, you know, or it just there's so many things that go wrong when, you, when you're not picky enough about the projects you take. Yeah, but I think, the, I think another hard part to that, at least that I was struggling with, um, it, I, I felt like there was ways that I could go out there and put myself out there. I felt like I had avenues to do that. But then my other thought was, well, what am I putting out there? Well, let's talk. I mean, because so I, I can't what do you go out your there. And, avenues I can't. Were? I can't go out there and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into it because okay. it's not really important to the point I'm trying to make. Okay. Is is I thought I you mean, meant like blogging or like this podcast or well, I mean, those, those are talks. options. Okay. Those are options. I was trying to get an idea of what you meant by that. Yeah, I mean, th- there's there, there's things I could do like that, but there's also people I could call. I could try to do some more networking. There's there's people that I know who who have things. Or not, not that I have things, but I feel like I can go to them and say, "Hey, can you refer me?" Or do you have know someone that type of thing? I yeah. never reached out to to my network to say, "Hey, do you know someone?" You never did. I never did. Huh. I mean, I got most of my work from you. I got a few things from people that knew me from my blog posts, um, and uh, I knew some people from my past who started companies that I went to as well. Yeah, and that's a good um, way to do it. A lot there was of a couple of word of mouth where people found out I was independent and came to me. Um, but again, it was all very small stuff and I yeah. felt like I had to take the small stuff to try to get the bigger stuff, but the bigger stuff never came. So I was, I felt like I was always chasing these small projects and I feel like that's where, that's where I felt like my offering was really weak. You know, I'm offering a loan developer here. I'm not offering someone who can manage a project, a big project, I'm not yeah. offering someone who can do some business analysis type stuff. I mean, I feel like I'd fill those roles, but I'm just basically this one guy trying to, trying to do it all. And and here, and here, I think there's a there may be I think there's a catch twenty two to this business model we have, and then maybe it just proves that this, it's not a good business model, or at least we don't know how to do it right, which is maybe more likely. But the ideal project for me is is I would say six months to twenty four months. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one a couple of years ago that actually went about twenty four months, and it was great. Um, got to do some really good things. Um, overall, I think a good good situation, good good client overall. Um, but I mean, by the end of that 24 months, it was really like, I was ready to move on. You know, they were paying, you know, arguably a, a fairly you know high rate for me for two, for two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I did, I mean, part of that was I actually helped build a team that eventually that I was able to wean myself off of or wean mm-hmm. them off of me. Who, someone got weaned. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how that works. Um, so it's that kind of worked out well, but yeah, it was it was definitely. And I feel like that that 
two two years that was like kind of like the max. But I kind of think like six months is like the minimum. I mean, it just it takes so on a, anything that's interesting. It takes some a while to get ramped up, and then you know anything that's worth it building or, build or that's important. Anything that's important for a business, it's going to be a multi month project. But here's the problem with that: if 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 you can if you're lucky enough to find those kind of projects all the time. That means that for at least six months, every time these people, this network you built, and this this funnel mm. of all this from this lead generation you've done, you're having to turn every single one of them down. Well, what happens when your friend calls you up and invites you to go out, mm-hmm. and then you say, oh, "I can't," and then a couple weeks later they invite you to go out and again, "Yeah, yeah I can." A couple weeks later they invite you to go out again, they or so let's say six months later, oh, "Yeah, I can't, can't." Sorry, they just stop. People stop asking. Yeah. And that's the problem with this business model we have of this one man shop. I By the way, don't stop asking me. I know I bailed on the I know, last I'd, one, but man, I've I've got several friends that I have just. I mean, that's the only reason we're still friends at all, um, or the only reason we still do stuff is because I just I am persistent as hell. I had a friend that moved away mm-hmm. for a, a couple of years and then came back, and I think I was the only one that I mean I just kept, um, I kept I always every couple of weeks I would just if nothing else just text and say hey man what's up. How's it going? How's you know this area you live in or whatever, um, and just kind of kept bothering him. And then when he, when they moved back, um, he was really busy. Just had a new kid, and I was and I still kept bothering him to like, hey, let's get together. We need to start doing stuff. And and you know his his life has changed enough now that so, I mean, we actually I was the one who kept in touch. I still have a good relationship with him, you know, like and we're good friends with his family now because he's got a you know relatively new family. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that just I mean I don't know that's like. And I always tell people like you have to cultivate relationships because they yeah. don't happen on their own. Some people are natural at it, but I don't think most people are. I don't think I, I mean I don't think I am either. But I no, you least, do well enough. You stay in touch. Right. One. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. You, you're pretty good at it too. You've you've kept some of us together. That I try. Have. It, it's it's gotten harder in recent months to be able to to be that guy. But um, on the average, I do like to try to keep people together. I, I do try to be the. I think every group of friends. I know we're going off a tangent. Need or even any group needs that glue. There's always usually that someone who kind of brings everyone together and says randomly, Hey, let's, we haven't seen each other in a while. Let's go do this or uses some excuse. Like I do like our birthdays. I don't really, we're not really celebrating our birthdays. It's just an excuse for us to, to get together yeah. and meet up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I think groups need the glue. Yeah, no, they do. It's, it's that, um, what was that people where talked about that? They need that one person that it, like what as that, a whole to the project, oh, you can't make, really say what no, they did. And it's not really, point. it's not really yeah. tangible what they did, but they brought that group together. They were the glue. They were, they were, made it work. What was the Malcolm Gladware book that talked about mavens and connectors? I think so it's like, yeah, it's, I think that's what the term was, but these connectors, um, what was that? Was that, um, the tipping point? Maybe I can't remember. Mm, maybe one of those Malcolm Gladwell books, which are either, Amazing or garbage, depending on who you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you get a you get a nice meaty project, and then you've got to turn everyone down for a while, and that just kills your kills it all. So I don't know. That's why I'm like, maybe this business model doesn't work, or maybe you know, we talked about this. Maybe we should find like a half a dozen just like really good kind of cloud Salesforce whatever developers, and just create a um, what do we call it? What was it? What was the name? I always call it like the the badass. Salesforce developer company or something oh, like yeah. that. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and just like, just so we're known as like, oh, you need badass developers. You got to call this. You get these guys, that group, because if anyone can get it done, they can. Like, that's the group. That's what, you know, that was the idea, but you can. I still think it's a great name. Badass developers, badass Salesforce. Well, developers. if those, if the, hey, if we have, if you have big ass, then we can say, have badass, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think that's, uh, is that a better model? Because then, then you're able to smooth your peaks and valleys, right? Well, I think that's kind of the point. In terms of from the markets, from your potential markets perspective of you, like you don't have to just shut them down when they bring you a project mm-hmm. because you've got more of a, got a bigger group of people to, to take, to uh, absorb this demand. To scale to that demand, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean of course, you probably have other different problems when you have a group of people that you don't have when you're one person. But still, yeah. maybe that's maybe there's more upside there. I feel like we're rediscovering the reason companies exist. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to convince you. <laughs> could, Watch you, you. Now you haven't actually officially. St- well, you've accepted, but you haven't started. You haven't had your first day yet. Watch me convince <laughs> you to not take this job. Sorry, you know who you are. If I do that to him, but no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do. It. I'm not trying to do that. So. Uh. uh Okay, what else? So that's any any other any other words of wisdom or uh, thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's a kind of a big thing, you know. You've been independent for many years now. Yeah, and you've, a, gone, you've gone back and forth several times. Well, I've gone or a few times, I guess. What What do you mean back and forth? Uh, just between you know W two job, independent contractor, consultant. Well, no, this is the first time I went full independent. I think. Well, no, no, that's right. I didn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mr. Ross hired me as an independent for for a year or so for that time. No, that I mean, you were just full independent. You had your LLC and everything. Oh, that's right. I did. Gosh, I have tried to do this many times. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you figure it out. I know. Okay? I, guess I, I guess I still haven't figured this out. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really kind of looking forward to, to working as a group, as a team. Um, I think I think I str- I do better in that environment, and I think whatever I choose to do after this, if this isn't my forever home, which it, who knows, um, I think I'm I'm gonna keep looking for team environments. I think I I think I l- really like working with other people. I like hearing other people's ideas. I like being challenged by other people and having them look at my stuff and say, "Well, what did you think about this?" or "What about this?" You know, I really enjoy that kind of feedback. And you and I get to do some of that on some things, but a lot of the times I feel like I'm just kind of in my own little world. You never do silo. that with me. You never share with me what you're working on, or you never you never bounce anything off of me. Yes, I, all I the call time. you. I, no, you don't. Yes, I do. <clears throat> no, you don't. I just know. I just have it all figured out. It's just I, yeah, okay, it's I rare that I have to bring something. No. <laughs> wow. I, I really. It, you're probably right because I, I do kind of. I will try to experiment quite a bit. I'm very big on experimentation. Yeah. And so I will try half a dozen different things because I feel like I learned something from each each experiment. Sure. Um, so a lot of times I will kind of go down rabbit holes and I probably don't talk about everything that I do. Um, but I feel like I do ask your advice on a lot of things. I don't, I don't know. Really? I don't know. I, I, feel like ask I'm, you. I feel like I'm asking you way more questions and like just bouncing it. You know, a, you know, a concept or a, or a mock-up or something off of you way more than you do me. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. By the way, I, I feel I'm like, just going to throw this out there. Anyone, anyone who wants to do that with me, just like let me know. Skype me or uh, better yeah. just DM me on the Slack or Twitter. I mean, that's the kind of thing that like independents like us need. And also, I mean, I think people who, you know, if you have a W-2 job, I mean, you may not have the right kind of people around you to do that with. So, But I'm always, I'm always willing to take you know, 10, 15 minutes and do something like that. So I'm just throwing that out there. Very generous of you, Jeremy. <clears throat> well, it's it is in a way, but it's also kind of selfish in a way because it's um, maybe I feel like I'm paying back for when I do that, or also just I don't know. I also like to see what other people are doing. 
Yeah, and obviously, obviously nothing formal. Like if it's something like if you don't trust me or you want me, I'm not going to sign your NDA. I'm also not going to just between, <laughs> you know, do your homework. I'm not going to steal your whatever either. I mean, it's one of the, it's a it's a professional courtesy. I I would say that I'll extend to people. Anyway, all right. Well, that's that. Um, that. Do we have any updates on Trailhead DX? Not really, right? Not really. Okay. Um, we have to get on that. I think. I mean, we have the website. I mean, we know it's going to be part of Dreamforce proper. Um, one thing that you and I probably should start working on a little bit more is the day after what we're planning on doing for that. I'm thinking something really informal. Um, I don't know if, if if you, I don't know what your idea is. I have two topics on that. One is being, it's just an informal meetup and we sit together and talk kind of like what we did at Texas Dreaming. Or we find a place with beer, sit down with laptops and have a little hack challenge or something. Yeah, and I've, I've, probably going to have work i also need to get done so somewhere where we can you know you it's acceptable to prop open a laptop and that has wi-fi would be nice so you're thinking just hang beer out. and wi-fi that's what i need. so we just need beer computers and wi-fi <laughs> and we'll much. figure it out when we get there you know, you know it depends i mean if there's three or four of us or if there are 20 or 30 of us and that was one one question i did have and i think what i'll probably do is i'll just put a poll out on slack and just say are you interested in meeting somewhere mid-afternoon friday the day after Dreamforce, assuming people are, you know, sleeping in a bit. Not Dreamforce, Trailhead. <laughs> Dreamforce Light. It's, yeah. it's as it's becoming since we now have Benioff showing up and Parker showing up and Mark Hamill showing up to do his best Joker impression. <laughs> the guy that ruined Star Wars Damn with his Christ. horrible, horrible acting. <laughs> horrible. I, did not, I did not know you felt that way. About oh my gosh, really? I can't, I'm, I've, that's, it, I you ruined four, five, and six for me. Just the whiniest, worst actor in the whole, <laughs> by far, in the whole show, in the whole in the whole series. I don't know about that. He's he's better now in the new ones. Now I don't know if that's because we have a better director <clears throat> who was able to. I think he was just really young. I think he was just really young, and you know the script has never I, been. It, the, age has nothing to do with it. I've, I think there are six year old actors that can that can do act circles around him. So that's not it. I'm just saying. I think he was just really young. And um, the script probably didn't help either. It might not have, but uh, the, the, the Star Wars scripts aren't known for being poetry. No, they're not. Although he likes to reference them as poetry, like this whole trilogy, the remakes, and everything. I guess there, there's been a point made because obviously they're kind of playing the same notes, and so now they're framing it as, "Oh, it's poetry. It's it's supposed to play those same notes, mm. you know, but with little differences here and yeah. there, and subverting expectations and whatever else." So, anyways. That'll be interesting. Um, I, I I think in his in his older years he's been a very interesting character. I'm not sure what what he's there to talk about, so I'm not sure. I just he was available and he, he probably has a decent day rate compared to actual actors with actual chops. <laughs> You're so cruel. <laughs> I am. I know. He's a great voice actor. It, I mean, you, he created you know, the iconic Joker voice. I mean, everyone that, yeah. everyone <laughs> copies his Joker voice. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it turns out he had, he does have a talent. Wow! Well, see, everyone's got a talent. <laughs> oh, Mister Ross, I meant to put on Slack. I added a, I added Bob Ross as an icon in Slack, and I wanted to make the rule that anytime you mention Jeremy Ross, you have to use that icon. Why? I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny to see your name and Bob Ross's picture right next to it. My kids like watching him. <laughs> He shows up in like these uh, people, what people call memes all the time. I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess it would, he would kind of be a meme. No, he's very know. much memeable. If that's a, if that's a thing. Yeah. It's just pe- a lot of people 
that don't know what they're talking about, any any GIF or especially if it's animated, that is a meme. That's not a meme. That's just an image. It's not a meme. <laughs> meme is meme is something. It's a bigger concept than that. There's implied context in there that makes it a meme. Well, let's look up. Let's consult uh, the Googles. A meme is an element of culture or system of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another by non-genetic means, especially imitation. We'll see. Gifts qualify. Yeah, it has to be like a um, a series, a system, like a whole you know idea. That's I mean, just well, one, a meme, just one. Yeah, image creating an image with text on it doesn't make it a meme, but the fact that it propagates and goes viral, no, people that, think that people think one image with text on it isn't that's a meme. That's no. that's a word for that. And I'm like, no, that's not the word for that. <laughs> I know. I, I I sweat the details, John. You do. I make, my, I make life difficult. <laughs> well, I want. I did want to just mention for those who are making the trek to San Francisco, probably um, just a little PSA. Uh, you might want to pick up a copy of the latest poop map. Remember we talked about the poop map that they created for San Francisco. I thought it was an app. Maybe maybe it is. I, I'm not sure. I was what hoping form it's an app. I hope it's an app with GPS enablement and it's fast because I want it to like right before I step on something. It goes Bing, stop, don't move. Yeah, of course. There's just the general good advice that you should follow for anyone who's thinking of traveling to San Francisco as a tourist thing. Don't do it. Yeah, stay away. <laughs> Go someplace else. Stay away. I love these. I've so I have I have about ten different this ones. This place is falling apart. <laughs> San Francisco is a horrible, horrible place. Did you ever? You didn't install yeah. that app, by the way. No, I didn't. It's a terrible, terrible city. <laughs> well, these are from people who live there. Um, now, there was. Did you see the big NBC report that they just released this week? I think it was this week. On what? Uh, San Francisco. No. How dirty it is. So um, oh, you're kidding. the title is: A survey of downtown San Francisco reveals trash on every block, three hundred and three piles of feces, and a hundred drug needles. How can that be? So many conferences spend tons of money there. People come in and spend tons of money there. Actually, I know I can't leave San Francisco without leaving behind five grand or some some place. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, those hookers, you know, they're not going to pay for themselves. <laughs> it's the stakes. I'll have you know. I leave the hookers for you. Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, let's see. The results reveal a disgusting and potentially deadly mix of contamination that experts now believe could exceed some of the dirtiest slums in the world. Um, I'm just, let's see, I highlighted some things here. I'm just jumping around. Based on the findings of the investigative unit survey, uh, this person, this expert believes that parts of the city may be even dirty. Okay, I already said that. The contamination is much greater than communities in Brazil or Kenya or India, he said. He notes that in those countries, slum dwellings are often long-term homes for families, and so there is an attempt to make the surroundings more livable. Homeless communities in San Francisco, however, are often kicked out from one part of town and forced to re- relocate to another. The extreme is ex- the result is extreme contamination. Uh, and then some supervisor says, unacceptable, absolutely uh, unacceptable. We're losing tourists. We're losing conventions in San Francisco. All this is happening because we aren't addressing the root cause, which is we need more temporary beds for street homelessness. No. I don't, don't you need less homelessness? Um, I don't see how more. I, I, I don't see. This is the San Francisco way of solving problems. You don't actually solve them. You just, you know, change them around or throw some money somewhere at something that you know, there's no accountability for where it goes. Well, didn't didn't a lot of the problems start because is, they yep. got rid of all the porta potties? Well, also, let me ask you this. Yeah, that that's all the problem, <laughs> didn't it? You got too many people going to the bathroom here. Let's let's just take all the party potties away. Then they won't go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that works. <laughs> okay, here's an interesting factoid. The city currently has about 2,000 temporary beds. 
Uh, however, they believe that they need an additional one, uh, an additional one thousand are needed at the cost of about twenty five million dollars. Oh, well, if you if you do the math on that, that's twenty five thousand dollars per temporary bed. Why don't they just now, get a on, bunch of foam mattress Lisa beds or something? Only in San Francisco will a temporary bed cost someone anywhere close to twenty five thousand dollars. Well, I think that, I mean, I think we're simplifying the problem. I mean, you got to have a place to put the bed, and I'm sure there's. But then the guy says we need to find a source of revenue, and then to my my response to that is, well, what about all these all these Benioffs and these other tech billionaires that have been giving money? Yeah, where is all this money going? I no Which idea. also that's also shows that like a, for a lot of these problems, societal problems, like it doesn't seem that like money's the right answer. And so, you know, they they proved that in, like in a lot of these education studies, you can like mm-hmm. put more. You can't just throw money at it; it doesn't necessarily fix it. It's there's. Maybe the fact that it's a sanctuary city. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Famously, right? They're, aren't they famously like the, the that's a, they're the most well-known sanctuary city. I just think the place got way too expensive for people to live there. Well, that's the other part. I mean, San Francisco has had its soul slowly squeezed out of it over the past 30, 40 years. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a great place for art and music and creativity. And I, I guess a lot of those people, I mean, that those are things that as you're coming up, you just don't make money at. But it's the techification, the skyscraperization, yeah. you know? I mean, so uh, Walmart came in and killed the mom and pop stars. Now the, the, the takeaway for, at least from, for this particular PSA is there is a map. They produced a map um, that shows the, these areas that have the most poop, the most needles, all that kind of stuff. And so you the can, needles scare me. Yeah. And, and just garbage trash everywhere and stuff. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, that was a bummer topic. Yeah, well, Let's get on something else. Yeah, is what it is. I'm just You're not making I, me excited about going I, to, I report to you to San decide. Francisco. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to go and have a good time and enjoy the content. Um I did see uh, someone on our Slack posted this today that there was a new blog post on uh uh announcing a developer controlled package. So they're calling it a DCP beta coming in spring eighteen. Oh, we have a new TLA, John. TLA alert, TLA alert. <laughs> TLA alert. Three letter acronym. Oh. It's a, it's a DCP. Oh, really? I don't know why that number keeps coming up. Who's <laughs> calling me for this number? I don't know. Of course, the real question is, aren't you going to do not disturb? Yeah, it's, um, John, DCPs provide a Salesforce DX compatible technology. Well, it's probably just what DX. Is part of Salesforce is not Salesforce DX compatible. I mean, can I write Apex or something that's not DX compatible? I think what it's saying is you have to be using DX to use this. Well, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say it's requ- requ- well, it requires do- DX. Well, and yeah, the documentation is kind of light on it right now because I can't really see. Well, tell f- me what this is. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming because <laughs> wait a minute, there's like a there's like a 500 word document <laughs> on this. Tell, tell me you don't know what it is. Surely this document would. Clearly spell out what this is. All right. So here's what I know about it. I that know was, four things about it. I, I know four things about it. It makes app makes app development easier. Uh, it makes deployments repeatable, scriptable, and tractable. It tracks changes to your org more clearly and easily, and it keeps your customizations more organized. That's all I know about yeah. it. And this is this is what you get from a company that trades on its marketing department and smoke and mirrors. You get a doc an impenetrable document that it's probably should be targeted to people just like me, and I can't understand what this is. Yeah, I, but I, I also really, I, I mean, also don't get I don't get the DX command line thing. It's not I don't see how this is useful. Well, that's why that's why you go to this AMA and you can ask them anything. Oh, are they doing an AMA? Yeah, I mean, so it's the main the main reason I'm bringing this up is because yes, I mean they've got this page on it that tells you very little about it. 
So um, now I have to go to Reddit Live, I guess, or is it? It's not even using Reddit. It's probably not even Reddit. It's probably it's probably a go to webinar, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. You have to register. Oh, you I, have to register. I guarantee you, there's a lead gen form behind this. I'm sure. Yep. Let's see. First name, last name, email, your role, your company. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of lead gen, can I trend? Can I? Um, Am I okay to segue? Well, I was going to say, I mean, one, one more thing you could do is the AMA, or I think they're having a boot camp session at Trailhead. So emerging tech, emerging tech. Yeah, this is the, this DCP is emerging tech, John packaging. It's uh, emerging tech. Hey, if it gives me a pro- programmatic way of at least creating something equivalent to a chain set that I can deploy, fine, great. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, some of the things it says, I mean, okay, I like things that are repeatable, scriptable, and trackable. That's These are all good ideas. It said versioning in there, which I like. Yeah, it, no, it, yeah. if, if it's able to track changes and, you know, if it's, it, I saw in there, it said it has to be, it'll track changes to metadata supported by DX. So take that for what it's worth. Hope, yeah. I hope DX covers everything, but um, who knows? Yeah, track changes to your org more clearly and easily. Yeah. <clears throat> full support for versioning. Like, yeah. It sounds good. I don't want to. I don't want to no, hate I on just, it before I, just, I know anything no, about it. No, I'm not it, either. But. Well, I mean, the, I'm not hating on it. I, it's just it bothers me that it's so this 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 document is so opaque. It's right. It's just marketing drivel. Yeah, I, I feel like when it comes to the developer stuff, I think a lot of us would appreciate more technical details than marketing fluff. You know, I, I'd, I'd rather see some something more tangible or at least. And is this not packaging two? This sounds like some of the same stuff that packaging two was. So I don't know if this is. I, I think it a, is. An I, I think it's part from, of packaging two, yeah. but maybe it's just a, a sublayer on top of it to make it more accessible to people who aren't command line yeah. driven. I don't know. Well, good news I, I'm is guessing. Good news is we get to go to we get to go to uh, Trailhead DX and it's a mystery. It's, it's something for us to explore. Yeah, it's exactly. something for us to go and say, hey, I want to know about this. I heard about it. I want to know more about it. See, right. it's working. Right. The marketing's working. Well, speaking of. Of lead things that require lots of lead gen. I spent a little bit of time last night poking around with MuleSoft, just out of morbid curiosity. <clears throat> poking the mule, huh? Yep. <laughs> uh, what? What I say? Poking the mule. That just struck. That just <laughs> struck my funny bone. Um. So I spent some time on their website. Just you know, like okay, what all does this thing do? By the way, I, one thing I noticed by doing it does everything. That, yeah, it does. It, That's it actually makes you breakfast. It actually does do everything. Is is the good <laughs> and bad of it? But one thing I realized is, you know, it used to be. I, I think this is like remember when they were kind of their an earlier iteration of their company. But they were, you know, the Mule ESB. It was Mule ESB. Mm-hmm. But that's back when ESBs were the hotness, which was after I guess SOA was the hotness. And of course, all these companies, they would, you know, everyone tried to jump on that bandwagon and give you an SOA in a box. Or an ESB, and that's what Mule was. It was a, you know, buy yeah. our, you know, buy us for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and uh, you'll have an ESB. And it solves all it your turns problems. Out, it turns out it's not near that simple, and you just need some smart, uh, you know, enterprise architect type people to do these things, whether or not they buy your crappy overpriced software or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and just because you buy your crappy enterprise software that's overpriced doesn't mean that you're going to know how to wield it at all. And you can still do really stupid things with it. It's, a, it's, just, it's just clay. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a complicated tool. Um, I was actually pleasantly... Well, first of all, let me say that everything on their site requires lead gen. And not just once. And they don't keep a cookie that says, okay, this person has already signed up our lead form. Mm-hmm. No. 
You want to watch a video? Doesn't matter if you've already uh, filled out the form or not. It'll start, and they theirs is is, is tricky. Start, Aren't they using Parda? Parda at least recognizes they may be. you. They may be. I don't know. No, Parda will recognize you. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to fill everything out again. I'm not sure. I believe that. It does because Salesforce doesn't recognize me, and I assume Salesforce uses their. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they're using Adobe Marketing Cloud under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but no, it's, you, you can you can start watching a video, and then like a couple minutes into it, you get a dialogue that comes up. A oh. modal blocking dialogue that, oh, you want to keep watching this video? I see you're kind of hooked on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to fill out the form. Okay. Again. And let's say uh, you watch another video. A couple minutes into it, lead, lead gen form pops up. Oh. Got to fill it out. I know. That's really annoying. It is horrible. You know, that, that was one thing I really appreciated about Salesforce back in the day. Probably still do to a certain extent. Is um, Their documentation was available <laughs> and you didn't have to do the lead gen crap or anything like that. You're a developer. You want to see the APIs. You want to interact with the APIs. You wanted to set up a developer account. You could. It wasn't behind all these these things where some salesperson was going to try and call me up and say, hey, hey, I heard you're interested. Let's do this. It's, it's so weird. It's like, can, can a company be on the spectrum? <laughs> can that take a, a company form? Because that's what it's like. It's like, you don't know how to communicate with people very well, do you, MuleSoft? I'm, I'm noticing this about you. But I mean, I, I, you know, they're not worse than most of these other companies. This is so common. I, I think the, the point is, is they're expecting to get you from one avenue to another. They're not really thinking about the experience of someone who's exploring the company. They're just, they're thinking about in terms of, we sent this communication out or we gave someone this place to go to and they're going to go to this place and that's how they're going to engage But they're us. driving people away. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I think if you're if you're there and you're trying to explore MuleSoft, and I, 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 I'm agree- I think I'm agreeing with your sentiment is that if you're someone who's engaged and wants to actively learn more about MuleSoft, you are going to get turned off by constant, constant, um, what, interactions or pings or whatever you want to call it um, to try to get your information. It's just so weird. Um, <coughs> but anyway, I think a lot I, of times it's hard to gauge that when you're trying to set up marketing materials and set up landing pages, you're thinking about that page and what it was specifically designed to. You're not you're not always thinking about the entire experience of someone going to your site and exploring it. Do you, I mean, don't you want to sell your stuff? I mean, they're, they're, I think there's one of these companies that still loses money. You know, they keep, keep having to take more rounds of funding. And I know Salesforce, I is, a big, Salesforce is a big funder, yeah. you know, of, of, uh, how are they losing money? They've got, I think they've got the healthcare market locked down on integrations. Don't they? I'm not sure that half these, I mean, Salesforce doesn't prove in their business model makes money. So all these companies out there just taking money, They've the not new, proven their this, business model. This works. is the new world. You don't have to make profit to be profitable. I know. Yeah. Bi- profitless. That's where we went wrong, right? Jeremy. Profitless billions. We should have sold sold uh, stock in Jeremy Ross and, and John de Santiago. Oh, and, yeah. <clears throat> like, just make no profit, That's, but, but w- sell stock. That would have been our ticket. We, we, <laughs> we missed out. Anyway, yeah. So everything's got like a lead gen moat around it. But I was able to say that I watched a couple of videos and then I, I found out or I was able to download their, I don't know what they call it. Well, first of all, so I guess MuleSoft, their their product is they have, and this is, you know, these companies they make it so difficult to understand like what the actual artifacts of their company are. Like, hmm. what is your actual product? What is your because you know you go to the website, there's a drop down for solutions and a drop down for industries and a drop down, and it's like, where's your product? Where's the thing <laughs> that I can actually push the buttons and clickety clacky on? You know, where is it? Yeah. What do you, how do you use this thing? Oh, and it you know now. Part of it, part of what makes it this a little bit hard to wrap your hands around is, you know, they've got, there's like aspects of it that are, you have to use their their web, their SaaS for, you know, just a user interface. Mm-hmm. You can like do stuff that's kind of org-wide at your company, like 
you can make like, I don't know, like APIs. They, make, they have these called notebooks. It's kind of the way you document an API and it's kind of interactive, kind of cool in a way, actually. I mean, they, have, they do have some cool stuff. Um, but then there's, you know, this thing you download and run on your desktop. And then there's also another part that they have in the cloud, which is it's almost like, the, you know, you can use like a, a their runtime in the cloud to run your integration. So, but yeah, I mean, it's like they make it so hard. Like they should just have a simple diagram. It's like, hey, here's the three elements of our company. You got our SaaS, you got our integration engine in the cloud, and you got the thing that you run on your computer. Like these are the things. So that's go figure those out. Here's the here's the document for the you know here's the user guide for this one. Here's the user guide for that one. Here's the user guide for that one. Go read, and if you read those things, you will know how to use our stuff. No, that is way too easy, way too simple. Can't have that. We have to no. obscure it with tons of crap. I mean, so much crap. Well, some that's somebody's job there. It is just to generate tons yeah. of crap because the more crap you have, see, crap is real estate, and real estate you can put legion forms in front of. It's bigger footprint, more more for Google to crawl. <laughs> it is. I know. You know, it's, it's, SEO you're spreading and... <laughs> your web, your web of SEO. Yes. Uh, so anyway, I downloaded the, um, and again, back to my, I think their product is called AnyPoint, or maybe that's just the program. I don't know. It's like, everything's MuleSoft AnyPoint, I guess is the Do name they thing. they put MuleSoft in front of everything, kind of like Batman, is I, the Batmobile, the Bat Spray, the Bat Credit Card, <laughs> Bat Shark Repellent. Yeah. Um. So I downloaded this program. It's um, <clears throat> the zip file for the installer is 789 meg. I posted that in the Slack yesterday. I'm like, wow, that's just the installer. That could, that could never live and on Salesforce. And it's zipped. <laughs> that's I know. too yeah. big. <laughs> right. No, it could not. And my, I'm just like, wow, how's if that's just the installer? That is huge. What does it come with every connector they ever had? Or, to your point, you can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely cannot do that in Salesforce. That would that would that would require a large payment to Grandpa Larry. Actually, and they're not going to have that. Um, so I download it, I run it, and and I could tell from the documentation on the screenshots this is an Eclipse, you know, RCP app. Oh, that's why it's so big. Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's bloated with it's bloated. I mean, talk about garbage. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! <clears throat> so I, I launch it. And I get that, it's almost that standard uh, screen that you first get whenever anytime you launch Eclipse. Eclipse has, you have to pick a place on your hard drive for it to consider it to be a workspace before it can, before you can even, it's a modal dialogue you get. That's the oh. first thing you get. You can't even get to Eclipse until you pick your workspace. Probably like, to really? Like, you probably have to like partition a drive on your hard drive and dedicate it to it. It is, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a gate. That's, that's the gate to the actual app is you have to pick a workspace on your hard drive first before it can do anything. But for some reason, I've got the screen, but you know, I can't type into the thing. I can't choose the browse button. Like nothing. It's, it's just, it like locks immediately. Hmm. Oh, this is getting to the issue you talked about. Well, yeah, it's just it's one of the issues. It's one of the issues. And again, this is, this is enterprise software. This is, I mean, MuleSoft does a lot of stuff and I was actually impressed with some of the capabilities it has mm-hmm. that are definitely, I mean, because it's been, I haven't done anything serious with a, commercial enterprise integration tool for probably 10 years. <clears throat> They've definitely come a long way. Um, I was impressed and also somewhat discouraged at the same time. But they're also... Like your abilities? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're, they're also... Um, they're, they're very enterprise software, meaning that yeah. when, you, when you get past the stuff that the marketing team produces and, and, the, and the stuff that the, like the really good... Um, artists at the ad agencies and stuff produce. Once you get past that and you're down to the actual core product stuff, I mean, man, the edges are rough. 
and oh. you will cut yourself on them all. I mean, just like the the damn app won't even run, and it hasn't run for six months unless you roll your Java back to previous version. Which, of course, like the whole reason you stand the latest Java is because of security patches for the most part. So now I've got to roll back to an old version of Java, a six month old version of Java, so I can run this thing. So I did it. And that's probably because of the tech stack they chose. It's probably a very specific version of, of Eclipse RCP yep. that requires a very specific version <laughs> exactly. of Java. I, know. <laughs> I mean, we're back to the days with the, uh, the Force, whatever that thing was called, you know, Force and, IDE. And by the way, Java doesn't have to be that way. It, it can be a good experience. There are companies that prove this. But there's but by the far by far the majority, like the vast majority of Java UI apps out there totally suck. And this is just you can put it in that category. I think that's why I dislike Java because there's there's really not a good GUI framework, at least that I've worked with. Yeah, when you when I when you run in, and I and I I don't want to I don't want to uh, tarnish all of of Linux, but like the crappy old Linux like um, GUI libraries, mm-hmm. that's what it, when you're running in you know one of these Eclipse RCPs, at least with the this MuleSoft one, that's what it feels. It feels like oh, was this built in like a 10, 15 year old version of Qt? <laughs> you know, on Linux, on some crusty Linux. That's what it feels like. Cute isn't cute. <laughs> it's not. That's like the worst misnomer it ever. Is. <clears throat> but no, it does have some pretty interesting capabilities. I mean, it does um, a lot of the things that I kind of sell, like my in a little custom integration platform um, against. I mean, really, they've they've come a long way. I mean, there's, they've solved some of these problems that, that you know, there used to be reasons why I would say don't use those things. Mm. Um I mean that's why that's why they're way them. more scriptable uh, than they used to be, and they I mean, they've got support for like, um, you know, basically like inventing some data, getting some data from one source, and then um, th- there's like a scatter gather. So like, let's say you need to when data comes in, you may need to send it to like one or more different places, but you need to like now you can just fire and forget those, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you just fire to these three different things, and you don't need the return values from those whatever. But sometimes you do. Well. If you want to, now you can either do those in series, right? But that kind of sucks because you got to yeah. fire to one, wait, get the result, then you can fire to the next one, right? Uh, or you can, they have, they, have, they have this little scatter gather scope. They, call, they have this thing called scopes. Hmm. And you can fire them all at the same time. And then it's kind of almost like an await, like an async await or, or whatever. Um, it waits for them all to finish. Um, what's, the, what's the pattern for that called? A, like a join. It's like you do a join uh, at the end. But yeah, if in promises, there's a there's also a um, there's like a reactive concept as well that I'm not going to remember. But it's basically you're waiting for all of these asynchronous things to finish and come back, mm-hmm. and then you get like a kind of like a list of all the results or whatever. Because you might need to do something with those results, right. and if you I mean, so if you need to, then that's what that's still using it does. That. I'm like, well, that's actually pretty badass. Um, and of course, it you know it's got connectors to seemingly everything, and they also it looks like again I didn't actually use it, but just from appearances, it looks like they're doing a good job on like if you build a connector to some you know weird ass dental dentist office system or whatever, you can put it on their little thingy marketplace, and it's just like everyone can have access to it now. And so there's tons of stuff that Mule has built, official things, but then there's just tons of like you know community contributed uh, connectors and whatever. I mean, the downside of these things still is that they are huge. Um, you probably are going to have to buy a lot more than you actually need. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the number that I hear thrown out the most, whether it's Mule or any of these other ones, is like you know, a, it's basically a hundred grand to get into the product. Now, some a lot of that's licensing, but a lot of it also is just um, you're going to have it's, you're going to have to pay them some amount of PS because it's just too hard to get up and going on your own, kind of. Um, which you know, I mean, I if, if you need it, you need it. It's I'm not saying I mean it can be the right tool for the job. I think. 
But, you know, I was, I watched one of the videos that I had to fill out a Legion form to watch was, I, I think their CTO, it was like a one hour video. And it was, oh, there's another thing that sucked about it. It's, it's, you can only watch it on their website. Actually, I looked for it on YouTube and other places, couldn't find it. I had to watch it on the webs, with their website. And, I, and of course, it's stuck at 1x speed. And I don't watch anything at 1x speed unless I have to. <laughs> so I sat there and watched it, most of the thing at one. I skipped it around a little bit. Mainly, I spent like an hour last night listening to this guy. <clears throat> but they, it, I guess it was, um, it must have been a live thing because at the end there were, or it was recorded live, right? So I'm watching recording, but at the end, people were asking questions. They opened up for questions, and someone asked, "What well, you didn't?" And I feel like these were they, these were all planted questions. Mm-hmm. But one of them was like, "Do you have to be a developer?" And I was like, "No, you really don't have to be a developer." And I'm, and I was like, "Well, that's I can see that in kind of some ways." But I'm, then I'm thinking to myself, I mean, do you really want people who don't have a strong background in security and just concepts of like item potency and, um coupling and uh you know inter, you know, like enterprise integration patterns and just the ways to build these so that you don't ha- end up with a brittle infrastructure like because only really i mean if someone who can who understands all the concepts is going to be a programmer true but I, i'll flip that conversation on you and say if you're a hardcore programmer that understands and enjoys all that kind of stuff are you going to want to be pigeonholed into using a point and click tool you know what i'm actually considering learning mulesoft Really? Yeah. But because it actually looks like a pretty good tool and it seems like there's a lot of demand for it. There is. Yeah. I also see, you know, this is also one of these areas, integration in general, where a lot of like the, uh, I would say, low cost labor centers around the world have jumped all over this. Mm. And so integration, even though, <clears throat> that's actually why I got out of the integration business five, 10 years ago, because people viewed it as like low value. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. <clears throat> My guys, this is a complicated integration. And if you don't get all these things right, you know, I mean, I, I see people building integrations and they're doing all kinds of stuff and they're not paying attention to transactionality. They don't know what stuff's happening in transactions where they're getting all kinds of, as a result of that, like incomplete, inconsistent data and it's, and it's like stuff's not syncing right. And like, they're just hosing everything up. I'm like, and this person building this integration has no idea that they're doing this wrong because you've hired the wrong people. And but, well, they don't, and, but I mean, it, John, I'm going to finish though. But people just don't care. I mean, these Salesforce consulting shops, they just don't care. I mean, because they don't understand. It's not that they don't, they don't know they need to care. They don't know what they don't know. So they don't know yeah. why they should care more, why they shouldn't hire just the cheapest shop from wherever they are around the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. I think a lot of it does come down to almost, I, I want to use the word ignorance, but I don't want to use that in a mean way. I'm just saying that. No, no, it's, that's what it is though. It, yeah. it is, they just don't know. They don't know, and so so to them, it's just pushing data from this one place to this other place. Um, but they, but there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, I can't tell you, or I can I can tell you in every architecture session where I'm talking about integration um, at a higher up. You know, if I'm working with the IT guys, usually those guys understand what I'm talking about. And we understand what we're trying to accomplish from a security perspective, what we're trying to accomplish from a transactional perspective, what we're trying to maintain in terms of data integrity and <coughs> bi-directional communication, real-time communications. We understand all that. But then when you have to bump it up to a higher level. And we come back with our estimates saying, okay, well, it's going to take us this long. We have to do this. There's all these moving parts. And they're like, what? Well, we just want to get this data from here to here. We're doing it. We have it in Excel over here and someone chunks it in. Let's just do that. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's talk about how we can reduce the scope then or simplify it so that it's, if it's, you know, to fit budget. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, cutting quality is, is not, usually not the smart thing to do. <laughs> Going cheap is usually not the smart thing to do. You're going to pay for that. You're going to pay more. You're going to pay yeah. a lot more. But I think in some aspects, from what you're talking about doing, you're targeting more of an enterprise market with with this solution. I mean, some mom and pop's not going to buy MuleSoft. Not a mom do. and pop, but I mean, you know, I mean, it, this is 
I don't know. I mean, there's. Um, <clears throat> I guess what the point I'm trying to make is that when you when you reach that enterprise level, they have enough integrations, they have enough data in places that have to be communicated in a secure way. Um, and not only that, the tools has to be elegant enough to not only manage the schedule and the transactions, but also monitoring and all that kind of stuff has to happen as well. Yeah. Um, so, so you're talking about kind of a much more mature company that needs this type of solution. Yep. And when we talk about some of these integrations where we have a lot of these issues or questions, I think those are much smaller shops that maybe have not matured to that level yet. And so it's really hard to recommend a tool like MuleSoft or something because it's such a big cost. It depends. I mean, for a lot of companies, that's just a drop in the bucket. And not even, like you say, you say enterprise, but <clears throat> I also think, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, a $10 million company, a $30 million company is still considered a, you know, an SMB. Mm. And a $30 million company. Yeah, we're, we also have got to put, frame this up in, in the context of we're not just talking about data integration. We're talking about someone's implementing Salesforce. They're already spending, <sighs> they, they've already budgeted their, not their spend. I'm not even talking about in the context of Salesforce. I mean, maybe, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I, I guess it, well, the way I'm framing it is that whenever you explore the topic of integrations, a lot of times it does kind of get dumbed down quite a bit to fit a phase one approach, an implementation approach. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's a really big enterprise company that's done this before and understands the actual cost of implementing a new system and integrating with that system. Uh, a lot of times companies will focus so much on the implementation of the product, say Salesforce, that when it comes to integration, they know they need data but they don't understand how big of a cost that could end up being. Yep. Yeah. And that's when you just, you need a good experienced consultant, not a salesperson necessarily, or if you do, it's you need a badass salesperson that has, that understands this technology pretty well and knows how to sell it, knows how to guide you through that. <clears throat> but, you know, another thing that was cool, I just need, wanted to mention was that, so one of the t- big tasks, right, with integration a lot often is um, just transforming data or like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, and they've got their own little transformation technology that's it's kind of just kind of JavaScript-ish looking. But you can also do, you want to write your transformers in Ruby? Fine. You want to write them in Python? Fine. <laughs> or you want, to write, awesome. you want to write it in Java? That's fine. But yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. But you can't do that in Salesforce. Um, it would be nice to be able to offer some kind of native feature like that. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention <clears throat> I found interesting about this. When you create a new... And they call them apps. Like you create an app that's, uh-huh. that's for an integration. You get this layout. I mean, so it looks like you're in Eclipse. I mean, you are you're in Eclipse, right? Uh-huh. But this customized version of Eclipse. But in the file tree, I mean, you get, it's laid out just like a, like a typical Maven Java app. In fact, when you, the dialogue, when you create a new project, a new app, uh-huh. <clears throat> it's like, do you want to do Maven with this or whatever? So it's, you're actually building a Java application. I mean, there's like source main API, source main Java, source main resources, source test Java, source test resources. You know, it tells you, you can see what J, JRE is on, that you're, you know, is on your class path here. You can see the mule libraries, you know, the, the, the source, the target. It's just a full-on programming. It's a full-on software development project. I mean, you can pretend that it's not. You can try to stay in pointy-clicky land, but of course, mm-hmm. that's just an abstraction and all abstractions are leaky. You're going to have to get under the hoods every once in a while and play with your dipstick. <laughs> Make sure you've got... I was going to say, kick the tires on the light and <laughs> change the oil, but... Right. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. But it's, it's you know, it's it's actually fairly hardcore. I kind of liked it. I mean, there's a lot wrong with it, but at its core, it's it's it seems to be quite capable. Again, haven't built anything with it at all. So, I don't know, I'm going to keep playing with it. Yeah, I think you should. I, I think I think you'd be great at that. 
Well, um, I, I think that that world kind of needs someone like you with, with that type of experience. No, please. I'm not trying to flatter you. I'm no, saying that's... No, my concern about that whole space is that it is very commoditized. Yeah. But what isn't these days? Well, I mean, because I mean, we're I, in a global market. No, I've got a buddy so, that runs a shop down the road here that basically whores out MuleSoft engineers, and um, they're all they get them all from um, like Montevideo, uh, South America, and again, it's, now good thing about that good time zones, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but they're pretty smart there, and just it's a you know cost of living there's way less, so it's like just mm-hmm. cheaper. Um. So I don't know. I just think it's one of those things that people people the reason that it attracts low value is because people view it as low value. It, they view it as a commodity. Whereas, you know, you're going to build an app with a UI or something that your customers see, or some way that's like the main way you're going to get business for your company, right? Then that's where they they don't they're not going for cheap. They're going for the best, right? Then that's kind of where I need to be, and I just don't know that. Integration is it just, it's not rational. People don't think rationally enough, which is odd because you think they would because it's integration, but. <laughs> you know, um, they, they've proven over and over again that as much as we like to think we do, we don't make rational decisions. We make emotional decisions and we use, we, we try to rationalize them. We, we backfill our emotional decisions with, yeah. with you know, rationale. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think we very much, very much uh, rely heavily on emotion and try to justify it. Well, <clears throat> I had two other things. One was um, oh, for a guy with no topics, man. You've really been driving this one. I know. <clears throat> Sorry, I can talk a lot, even though my, I, keep, I keep trying. To even though I'm not going to get top. over this chest thing for the next two months. Um, there's a case against Google. There's a big New York Times article. Did you see that? Uh, maybe, maybe not. It was Is just sold. No, it was last week. This week. Um, but it was, um, it's it kind of told this story. It was really long. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I know that long form writing, we're supposed to like it, but oh my God, it's just, you know, when it's cause you listen to everything when, at two X. No, so you, when you have to read something, I can read it two X too. That's fine. But when you read, when you read, you know, one of these long form articles, I mean, almost every time at the end of it, I'm like, that could have been 70% shorter. And what in the story would have lost nothing. They stretched this. They really, really stretched this. I'll tell you what. Next time you have to do that, just send me the link. I'll read it and record it, and then you can listen to me well, read it to you at 2x. Why can't, with all of this amazing AI, why can't some AI shorten this for me? I, I, actually, I think there are okay, tools. That's I've our, seen that's, tools where they're working on that. I'll put that on the coding challenge list. We'll see if Einstein can. Yep. Can Einstein uh, shorten long-form blogs, posts, articles? It's text, yeah. <clears throat> writing documents. <laughs> and it, was, it was just about how um, basically Google's monopolistic position and how they prevent people from competing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there was, was mentions of like Facebook and Twitter too. It kind of, you know, reminds me of this. Again, was it about a month ago we started hearing um, people call for regulation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got Benioff jumping on at uh, Davos out of nowhere. And that's like, when he went from radio silence on that to that's his thing he talks about every time he talks. Got to regulate. I hope we figure out what's behind that one of these days. <clears throat> Maybe some uh, historian will, when we're, when we're old, will 
figure it out and write, <laughs> write a book on it. Anyway, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that. I mean, Google's too powerful. Facebook's too powerful. Amazon's too powerful. Salesforce is probably too powerful, or they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, but well, you know, we give these we give these companies power. It's our fault. <clears throat> people well, can't people can't be bothered to use Bing or DuckDuckGo or. Have you know, tried and when, using Bing? And, and when you give you know Facebook and Google, I mean, it just basically every every bit of information about yourself. You know, okay, well, you get what you deserve, I guess. Doesn't hurt that their products are good. I mean, that's that, no, that's Bing has not been able. I, I, I've tried. Their that's the. That's, I've tried using Bing, no, and it doesn't always produce the results that I want. I'll, I'll have to oftentimes go and search Google just to make sure I'm getting what I want. The product is their bug light, and we are the dumb humans just flying right into it. <laughs> it's not just that. It's search. I mean, the <clears throat> Google Docs and apps and the email and stuff. I mean, that, that's all been very successful products. I know. They're, those are simply human attractors, John. Those are eyeball attractors. Mm hmm. That's all they are. They don't build those products because they just like, love to have great products. They build them to tr- attract human eyeballs so they can be monetized. <sighs> I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, that's why they, they're, they're good at making products and, and services that are useful. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is they're good products, unlike Facebook, who's just playing psychological games and trying to get you to to focus and get addicted to the technology and to keep your face in your phone. See, here's the problem I have with Facebook is it <clears throat> Facebook hosts several groups that are very important to me. That, <laughs> yes. That See? I have to be in Facebook to be able to access these groups. But do you love the Facebook tools or is no. just, that just where people no, are? It's the shittiest group yeah. software there is. I mean, and that's the point. I mean, <clears throat> again, it's not, it's not, it's hard to get chronological. It's hard to, I mean, there is a search, but it's, it kind of sucks. And, you know, it's, I mean, what like discourse or any number of these other forum, like modern forum apps mm-hmm. are a thousand times better. Yeah. I didn't choose to put those on, use those on um, Facebook though. Well, maybe it's time you <clears throat> propose a change. Of course, we may be, we may be mentioning Slack in this group at some point too. I mean, I, I always worry about Slack. Like, yeah. Well, I think, I think the big thing that I think people are starting to feel is just fatigue over having your eyes in so many different apps. I mean, you have Twitter, you know, you have things you're maintaining on Twitter, you have things you're maintaining on Facebook, you have things you're maintaining in Slack, you have things you're maintaining in, I don't know, Chatter if you're in the Salesforce world. I mean, you have all these things you have to keep track of. And, and you, have so, to, you have to have a notification aggregator, which is basically what your phone or your yeah. little notification center is. It's a, it's a notification aggregator. Yeah. <clears throat> so more and more people are just wanting to simplify and get down to one thing if they can. And I mean, well, email's included in that yeah. too. Just way too many ways to... Ping someone. Um, I had another topic, which was like, I guess a general idea of like when to, you know, leave a project slash fire a client slash quit your job or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's just based on some recent experiences I've had, but mm. we're at an hour and my throat already hurts, as you can probably tell by the sound of it. <clears throat> yeah. And we're trying to do shorter shows. Yeah, we are. Um, so I have a few things too, okay. so, but I, 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 I want to get off too, so. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> I, mean um, I do want to cover the coding challenge because uh, we won't be recording next week because I will be out of town unless you want to change days, but I think we'll just skip a week. I don't know anything about this coding challenge, so tell me about it. It's the coding challenge I talked about last time that you didn't have any ideas on. Um, so I put it to our Slack community to come up with some coding challenges for me. 
um, or for anyone else that wants to participate. So I have a list of things that people recommended. Um, I didn't keep track of names. I just kind of took things as they came in and stuck them on here. Um, one of the one of the ideas was uh, a not a hot dog app. So there's an app out, out there called Not a Hot Dog. Yeah, and you can give it a picture and it'll tell you whether it's a hot dog or not. Um, so people thought that might be a fun challenge to see if Einstein can be a not a hot dog. I thought about modifying that to uh, not a Benioff or not a Ross. I say not a nipple since um, Einstein thought that Roger Mitchell was a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought about maybe not 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 a Salesforce Tower, but I thought no, that might get kind of crazy. Oh, that could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people did like your raining dollars idea on a closed win one opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about all these That's dollar dollar bills, yeah. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I think you also mentioned something about tracking the International Space Station, so that got mentioned as as well. Hmm. Um, someone had mentioned a GPS tracker. Um, this was actually more of a real world application than a for fun thing. So I'm not sure this one qualifies, but the idea is that. Uh, you would take G- current GPS coordinates and be and be able to stamp that and dump them into a record. And I thought, oh, let, let's modify that. How about a Salesforce GPS scavenger hunt game? Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. A home automation project, maybe with if this, then that. Um, maybe something about beer temperature measurements for Jeremy's brewing projects. That would be good. That's a critical aspect of making beer. Yeah. Maybe we can hook a camera up to it and have it watch and <clears throat> temperature gauge and all that stuff. I, I'm actually thinking of doing a sour, and there's all kinds of ways to do them, but the one of the easy ways is to what's called a kettle sour. And that's, <clears throat> so after you've done your mash, and you, you don't even have to boil, but I guess you, it's probably a good idea. You can control your, your, um, your uh, culture better. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> short boil, just enough to sterilize everything. And then you... Um, I think you bring the temperature down to about a 100. And then the, ideally you keep it around there for the, because <clears throat> I think what, um, like for lactobacillus, which is, one, which is a souring bacteria, a cut, pretty common one. Um, it operates pretty good at around 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. But you need to keep it there for about 24 hours. And what you're doing is like probably every four or five hours you're checking the pH because it can actually get a lot sour, more sour than what you want. I mean, that lactic, but that lactic acid producing bacteria mm-hmm. will just keep keep going at it, like way sourer than you, what you want. So you keep measuring the pH, and once it gets down to whatever you want, usually it's between like three point three and three point five. You boil to kill it, mm-hmm. right? But there's a ton of sugar left that needs to be eaten up to turn into alcohol and carbon dioxide. So that's when you, after you're done with the boil, and you chill it back down. Then you pitch regular yeast, or usually, I mean, you can do you know so regular. What I call you regular yeast. That's Saccharomyces. Um, but also there's Brett, Brett, Brettanomyces, which actually stands for, uh, or it means, uh, um, Brettanomyces. What would that mean? That would mean like British, British yeast, I think, or something like that. <clears throat> anyway, fun uh, Latin fact there. But, uh, yes. And then, and then, so that, that consumes the rest of the sugars, but I need something for that when that, you know, for that 24 hour or so period where I'm souring mm-hmm. to keep it at a hundred degrees somewhere around there. And I thought, well, I can I use my sous vide for that? Oh, yeah. Could. Now the thing is, the sous vides are made for to be operating in water, so I don't know if sugar a sugar substance would gum it up. I mean, I'm certain certainly would void the warranty. So that's the. You know. I think as long as you clean it, I mean, it's, as long as because it, it's it's a circulator, so it's moving the water, right? It circulates and heats. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so as long as it's moving, it shouldn't 
I mean, you'd have to clean it afterwards, obviously, because I mean, I'm sure there'd be some residue you'd have to get off. But I, depending on how it's doing the circulation, I don't see it being an issue. Yeah, I mean, it should just. I mean, if it's meant to get wet, then water with some sugar in it shouldn't hurt it that bad. I mean, because, you know... I think it just depends it on how it's done. circulating. I mean, if the circulating, circulating mechanism is more just kind of like fan blades in the tube, and it's just kind of pushing the water around, if it's actually sucking it into a, into some kind of pump and through some tubing, then that could get gunked up and clogged like an artery. I mean, it, But I yeah, think it it's all, just a, a <clears throat> turbine in the tube but itself. But those all could get gunked. That's, I mean, no matter, regardless, it, it could get gunked up and that's ruin true. it. I, I just don't know. And another thing I could do is just like a heating element that's temperature controlled, right? So you have heating element, yeah, and you have like a, a, a temperature probe, mm-hmm. and you got a controller that's like keeping it that whenever it starts to drop, it, you know, it turns the heater on for a minute until it gets back up to where it's supposed to be, then it turns it off. Um, but there's no circulation with that, and that worries me. Yeah, I don't, it might be worth your sleep to, to potentially, uh, you know, ruin a sous vide. Well, the other thing is, is now some, what some people do, and I, I might try this, although my oven's not big enough to hold this. Um, but some people will take their their um, you know the the pot that the, the wort is in, mm-hmm. and you know it's at a hundred, right? And they just put it in their oven, like a an oven that's already been kind of warmed, and that it'll it'll stay warm enough long enough. Mm. And it's supposedly um, lactobacillus is pretty resilient. I mean, it can get down to like eighty. Or so, and still be okay. But yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, fun little challenge. Or maybe like you can build your own sous vide as well. So let me hack your own some kind of raspberry pie sous vide, you know, <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last two on this coding challenge list is uh, this one's actually kind of interesting because it it would be accessible to non developers. Um, speak up, John. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. I don't know why. Build something hilariously useless, like construct an XML file using Process Builder uh, from custom labels or a volume slider using approval process. Yeah. Uh, how did you... You've managed to combine Process Builder and XML. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, you can learn from anything. Uh, and then, of course, the last one, which we just came up with, was use Einstein to shorten long-form articles and text, so... Now right. you have ideas to choose. Now, well, so I don't. One. What? When is? When is this? Where is this coding challenge? I don't understand. Well, this. I think I'm going to do this first one. Um, I figured we'd announce which one I'm going to do, and if some people want to try it and do it, then they can. Uh, I think this week will be a good opportunity because I will be traveling. I won't be recording next week, so that gives me a week to kind of feel this out and see how this goes. No. Oh, okay. um, I also will be traveling, so I'll have some alone nights ahead of me, so I can hack away and not get in trouble for yeah. ignoring my kids. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so pick one, Jeremy. Not a hot dog. Raining dollars. Uh, track the space station. Uh, GPS game. Uh, I mean, the not a hot dog would be easy. Oh, so I'm not allowed to do easy stuff? I'm saying it would be easy. <clears throat> I mean, the tooling around that is yeah. such a solved problem. You know, computer vision. I kind of would like to see if I can get that long-form article stuff with Einstein, see what it would come up with. That'd be Yeah, that would be a good one. I could use that. I think that one might be fun. I'm going to try that one. So I'm going to pick that one. All right. Okay, John. Are we done? Yep. Let's go home. So if you're not in our Slack, uh, join our Slack. Uh, it's at uh, gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on community and give us your email address. Leave us reviews. Give us the stars. All the stars. Only the most. Only the maximum stars. 
topics? Did you mention topics? No, yeah, we don't. We don't. Even, yeah, send us topics, questions, feedback. That all goes to info at gooddayserpodcast.com. It's been a uh, lonely email box as of late. So let's show it some love. <laughs> well, John, that's all I got. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>